Welcome to Dad, I'd Like to Friend. I'm your host, Kevin Selden. Let's face it, we're all tired. We're all burnt out. And for most of us, self-care has been nowhere near the top of our list. Today, we dive deep. Behind the polite smiles and perfect Instagram feeds for an honest conversation with the man behind belief in fatherhood to take a step beyond the ideals that are no longer serving us or our families in order to carve out a new path that can benefit each and every one of us. Let's dive in. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you. I'm a big fan of your work. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm I'm so glad to be here. So I recently heard you say happy wife, happy life is like a load of crap. It is. And I so agree. I think it is so old and lame (laughs) and it acts like dads don't have feelings and and they don't matter. You know, can you speak to that a little? Well, I, I have this huge fear of me becoming some of the older men that I see around. And what happens to these men is that they... It's almost like they've clicked a button in their brain that they don't communicate and they don't express themselves and they just do what needs to be done because that's all they're allowed to do. Yes. And then the women in this same community are thriving and they love talking and they're enjoying themselves. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, they may find themselves complaining about their husbands and what they won't do and all the things like that. And so... I, f- I, I came to a point where I realized that all the women that my wife hang around, their husbands will be in my life because their wives will always be in my wife's life, right? Yes. And so I'm like, man, we got to be friends because if we're not friends, by the time we're 50, 60, we're going to be looking at each other, watching a football game, trying to find something to relate about. Like, let's have genuine relationships. And so uh, I decided to kind of sew into that. But I do see what happens to these men that focus on their wives for the the entirety of their lives is that they become shells of themselves. They they seem like the same person they used to be, but there's no hope. There's no activism. There's no uh, risk. There's no passion in their eyes. They just look lost. And I am terrified to become that. And sometimes I feel like I'm I can slip into that mode when I'm I'm just like, I'm tired of fighting. Yeah. You know? I, I want to clarify for any moms or women out there listening. I do not feel neither Glenn nor I in any way have anything against women. Absolutely not. I, I feel like both of us are obsessed with our wives. 100%. I think that that is the problem, is that the happy wife, happy life mentality doesn't allow anyone to be happy, including the wife, right. because it's not true happiness. It's complacency. It's just agreeing with whatever someone else says without adding the emotion. And that um, authenticity is what actually creates connection. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it makes us all numb in the end and no one benefits. Right. And I think that that could not be more true. I loved when you said that. And I think that it's it's not always easy for two individuals to have feelings in a relationship. But unless we allow for that, it won't be an authentically happy relationship and there won't be the kind of connection that creates passion, yeah. which is necessary to keep a marriage you know, alive. 
for a long period of time, especially with the chaos of children. And, and let me just say, like, my wife is the first one to be like, dude, go hang out with your friends. Go do something. It's just not natural for me. Like, right? Like, my all my friends, business owners or, like, some type of, like, work they have to be doing, always focused, um, like... The, not not to say that the women are, but I'm just saying like they don't make time for friendships. I feel like it's just a problem with our modern society. It's harder for men to to nurture those relationships. Yeah, I have a couple guys that I lean on heavy. Uh, it's it's hard to get it reciprocated, so I feel like I'm chasing and I'm not a very good pursuer. So yeah. um, once you once you don't flirt back, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so. I love that. You know, you know what else I love about that is the fact that you are the pursuer, if you will. It's kind of like the whole, it, we sometimes joke that finding friends in adulthood is the dating game all over again. You have to kind of put yourself out there to a wide net and see who bites. And I feel like that is, that is such a, uh, a true statement and, and it, exactly what you're saying. And you have to be the one to be vulnerable. Yeah. I have to put more effort toward seeking out community with these men. Like I have to be like, guys, come to my house. I got some Wagyu. We got some iced tea. Let's come through and eat some meat and talk. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what has to happen. Uh, and my wife, it's just kind of like, she's on the phone with two hours for, for, with a girlfriend. And I'm like, why are you still on the, like, who, who is that? You know what I'm saying? And if someone called me and I'm like, bro, why are we still on the phone? Like you could have got this out in 30 seconds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But sometimes, like, my buddies, they just want to be heard. They want to talk, and I spend hours on the phone with them. Now, finding that time, making that time is difficult. Uh, so I, I just want to say that my wife does champion me spending time for myself and with my friends. I just don't often make the time for myself. My wife, too, says, take a moment for yourself. Like, go see a friend. And sometimes I'm like, but who? Yeah, They're with their significant others. They're with their kids. They're working. And it's not societally, it's not something that's built in. You know, we did an episode not that long ago that, that was called Dads Need Support Too. Yeah. And it's one of those things that like, it, we were talking about connection between men and it's a foreign thing. A lot of times people just see a, a sports jersey on another guy and they're like, hey, I, I'm also a fan. Yes, me too. I like that. And it's like, <laughs> that's the connection. But that's not a deep connection. Nah. Right? It's very surface. And we're so desperate for it, you know? Because I feel like my... Top priority, what I've been told, is to provide, right, and and provide and discipline and provide and you know I have to be a source of production. That must be exhausting. I mean, in a recent post on your YouTube, you ended it by saying, "I need a break, bad." Yeah. And as someone who is now, from being a stay-at-home dad to creating kind of a hobby, documenting your family and your life as a father to becoming a wildly successful YouTube star who starred in Bryce Dallas Howard's dad's film alongside Will Smith and Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like to say that must be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, where am I at right now? I'm, I'm in a place where I'm, I'm learning so much about myself. But, you know, I, I, I would say that the reason why all this is coming to a head now is because for the majority of my marriage, I've lived for my wife. I wanted to make her happy. Anything she asked for, I would put it into a little pile in my head and eventually I'd get it for her. And then when I'd bring it home as the the caveman who 
you know, brought, you know, slayed the, the meat and brought it home and, you know, brought home the bacon or whatever the sayings are, she would just be like, I wasn't expecting you to do this. And I would be like, well, I'm trying to please you here. You know what I'm saying? And so I have this, this whole relationship in my head that I'm supposed to please my wife and I've totally neglected myself. 100%. Yes. I've, I've always put my children and the people around me ahead of myself. And now I'm starting to realize, and I've, I've realized it, that like, I need a break bad. And part of that scares me because um, I think about the algorithm. You know, I think about the people who are going to forget about me if I don't post. All that stuff yes. is so real. And so it's such a weird thing with our modern world that we have to think about that, that it, it puts this pressure on us to not take care of ourselves for fear that we'll be forgotten. And the system is built that way. Yeah. And it's, it's, it creates a, a crazy amount of pressure. And even the opportunity feels like an attack on my mental health. So amazing opportunities come along. For instance, Bryce Dallas Howard right. calls me. And I'm like, who is this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know, and she's telling me who she is. And the producer's on the phone. And he's like, well, yeah, we want to put you in this film. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to have time for that. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't understand. And I'm so used to promises being broken and opportunity falling through. And I got this, this weird situation with like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and I'm I'm looking at this opportunity as like, man, I don't know if this is going to be good for me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, you know, I have trust issues, you know, but I mean, it was one of the most amazing experience I was able to be a part of, but just the fact that I looked at that as something that I didn't have time for because I was, I, I didn't, ha I didn't have the energy for it. You know, it seemed like it was going to take away from me instead of add to me. And so that's what happens when you have a scarcity mindset. That's what happens when you grow up in poverty. That's what happens when you uh, experience, um, you know, um, you know, trauma, you know, and you're trying to get better. But uh, I'm taking it one day at a time. I, I told my wife, I was like, hey, for my birthday, I'm going to go to Hawaii by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, like my therapist asked me when was the last time I felt peace. And I just happened to be on a business trip in Hawaii and I went to the road of Hana, road to Hana in Maui. And it was the first time I actually felt like I breathed and I didn't care about anything. I just walked and breathed. And she was like, you're going to leave me? And I was like, no, I'm going to go, like, I'm trying to find me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I want to be with me, you know? And... I was brave enough to say it. I didn't book the flight yet, but I was brave enough to say it. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back to the needing more outlets because this is something that I struggle with a lot. My parents are both now retired and I feel like my dad's hobby is stalking my son <laughs> and my mom's hobby is shopping. And I feel like I just desperately want them to have more hobbies. And, I, and my wife and I, had this long talk about we need to start our hobbies now. Yeah. You know, so we're ready for when retirement hits. And I'm curious to know, I think we're similar in the fact that like my hobby is my wife. My wife's like, that's not good. 
Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. my hobby is being a dad. Yeah. You know, like I consume myself by that triad. It's, it's my wife, it's my kid and it's my work. And it's like, well, how does self-care fit in if I have no outlets for myself? And that could be hanging out with a friend, mm-hmm. which is not always my priority, you know, alone time, not like couple time. Yeah. Or that could be, I, I don't I don't even know because I'm struggling so much with hobbies. <laughs> and I'm curious to know when you talk about needing more outlets, where is your head at? Man, I, I love tennis, man. I, I my wife and I started playing tennis when she and I were dating and she taught me how to play. She played in high school, and that's just something that I love to do. But I can't always find people to play with me. <laughs> so I it's hard when like my wife is like, yeah, I don't really feel like playing. You know what I'm saying? But that's kind of like one of my things. Um, and I think it's important. Someone was saying that, you know, you should, if you're gonna have hobbies, create them around things that are gonna like advance your life, right? So have a phys- a hobby that helps you stay in shape, you know, have a hobby yeah. that helps you, you know, gain equity in things, you know, but it's very easy for those things to come I- to become idols for me. I have a very addictive personality. You know, I like I flunked my first year semester of college playing video games like because I didn't have right. that type of freedom. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I know how how easy it is for me to seep into one of those things. So uh, tennis is one of those things for me. Um, you know, I love teaching my children. It's interesting because based on the hobbies you're bringing up, so you've told me tennis, but you like to play with your wife. Um, and you're, you like teaching your children. Well, now that's about your children. So it's like, interesting. like, what are the hobbies for you that are, that are apart from that triad? Um, I don't have anything outside of that. I know. I'm struggling with it so much. I want it I want it bad. I I feel like I need to take the time to figure out what those are. I feel like that's a follow-up discussion. Well, I do rhyme though, so I write a lot, but also that's work. But that's true. That's true. You're as a rapper for those listening, Glenn his brand is Belief in Fatherhood because belief is your rapper name. Yes. And that's kind mm-hmm. of a that's something that is integrated into your brand, but that is also something that I would imagine is is kind of a passion project. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is. It, it is a passion project. It's something that I'm good at. It's something that um, I can do, not necessarily um, something that I'm passionate about, like where I'm trying to go on tour or be the rapper guy. Um, yeah. But it is very easy for me to express myself through song and rhyme and creativity. You know, I almost feel like you just defined a hobby for the both of us. It's something that you enjoy doing that comes to you naturally without any work. And yet simultaneously, you're not trying to make money doing it. You're not trying to, you know, like you said, go on tour. That's, I love that definition. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely what the hobby is for me. Anything that I can do where I can just, I feel freedom. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that is a great way to look at self-care, but Fitting self-care into our daily routine as a parent is so flippin' difficult. And it's also, I I think our wives are sometimes similar from what I've stalked on your YouTube channel (laughs) in that, you know, my wife wants alone time, but then she always has FOMO, you know, she'll be like, I need uh time for myself, but then, uh, but I don't want to miss out on what are you guys doing? 
you know? And like, sometimes yeah. I'm like, uh, maybe I need a second alone with my son and I'm obsessed with you and I want you around, but I also think you need to go for a run right now. And it shouldn't be on me to force you to do self-care. I have enough problems trying to get myself to do self-care, you know, and trying to be with our, our kid and be a professional. Yeah. With the same tenacity, we created the businesses. We sought after the promotion. We did whatever we needed to do as far as providing. We need to create that same outlet for our, uh, for our own mental health and for our own communication. Like, I need that. Because the, the whole part is like, I don't have time to fail. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I have to execute and make decisions as a business owner. And I really don't have time to fail. So I'm learning as I'm doing so I can make the best decision. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, it's interesting you say this. I have felt this way so much in my life. And having started my own company right out of college, I feel like you said, where was it that you said this? Maybe, oh, in the People Magazine interview, you mm -hmm. mentioned that you, you wish you had a mentor. Yeah. And I said this for freaking over a decade. And my dad was like, sorry, dude, you're paving a path that not many other people understand. Yeah. And you're creating it. So you can't rely on other people to tell you how to do it. And that's scary. But when you pave your own path, that's the way. And the thing that I found that um, it is a terrifying thing, but if you want to grow, you have to fail. Yeah. And that's such a hard thing because we're running a business. I can't fail. Yeah. There's no room to fail. But yet you find yourself, you know, my most successful years professionally, yeah. I was kind of empty inside because I used the success as a shield to tell the world that I was legitimate. Hmm. And it, it protected me from having to show any – it was an armor that stopped me from connecting with others and stopped me from being vulnerable. And, and it was a bad thing. And when I finally fell on my face, you know, when we couldn't get pregnant and I was struggling and I was just like, I need to take some time for me, you know, and take an extended paternity leave and, and stop all this. That's when I actually like years of growth that had kind of sat there stagnant all of a sudden hit me and it was freaking difficult, but I feel like it's the only the pain and the falling is the only way that you grow and can can be happy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um and when you said that, like sorry dude, your dad said, sorry dude, you're paving a path that no one else. It is so true because it, it makes you feel lonely, right? It's two different things. Like you feel lonely and you feel like no one understands you. Right. Right. And then um What's hard is it's like your friends don't understand you, so they think that you have time when you don't. Yes. You run your own business, so you control your schedule. Yeah, exactly, right? And so that's kind of like, man, like if I was in the military, if I was in law school, you guys would like totally leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner, it's, it's different. Um, and so that's one thing. But then another thing is something that slightly eats at you, right? It's very silent, is the, the pride that comes along when you are successful, right? And yes. it's kind of like, it's hard to be kind of like, yeah, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to kind of talk yourself out of that. Like, no, 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 no. Like, it is all by the grace of God, by the, you know, the fans and the people that you're around, your family, all that stuff, because you kind of start to get bitter and resentful against people that tried to take your time. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. I told you to stop. So it's like a lot of things eating at you. But, you know, I think the most, the, the best thing I can do and, and what I'm learning right now is try to equip other fathers, you know what I mean? So that they don't have to make this, like, I'm failing for you. Like, I'm making the mistakes. You're watching it. So you don't have to necessarily take this route or you know what's the cost of it. Because there's even a cost of me putting my family on YouTube, right? We don't know what happens to the children of YouTube. We know what happens to the children of Disney. They grow up and some of them do heroin. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is... Some of them. Some, some of them, yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Right? But we... YouTube kids, we don't know what happens to them. And I have the potential to raise, you know, like our children are online. We don't know what the effects is of that. Yeah. You know, so I have to be very careful about this. And so I'm telling people too, like, if you don't feel like you're built for it, like, don't do it. It's not for everybody, you know? Um, so it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot to manage there. You bring up a very interesting topic. So you, you've also said in an interview that the hardest part for you is forgiving yourself when you fail. And I feel that. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that so many of us deal with. And as I'm listening to you talk, I think that a lot of us out there, moms and dads, can hear something in ourselves that is slightly troublesome in that I tried for so long and in the problems in my marriage, you know, that luckily we're thriving now, but the problems really came about because I was trying to fail for my wife. I was trying to fix the problems so that that she wouldn't, you know, yeah. oh, here's the solution and not have her have to go through it. You know, maybe this will solve it. But she had to go through it in order to learn and grow. And, and she became resentful yeah. of me for almost preventing her from going through her own growth. I thought I was yeah. benefiting her. You know, I was helicopter husbanding a little, but it made me not mm -hmm. a helicopter dad. I, I kind of empower my son to learn the lessons for himself. But it is something that so many of us do attempt to make life easier for others. But actually, it makes it harder for them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it puts so much weight on your own shoulders yeah. that I that I fear it can it can start to break. It may be why you need a break so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, I can see that in a lot of relationships I'm around. Um, it's almost like I've convinced myself that I can help everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like I have, you know, and, and this is one of the things that really jacked me up um, is that I was talking to my therapist and I was saying how, like, I'm trying, like, I realized that my dad needed his father to be more present. Right. And, you know, my dad, you know, he had joint custody. So I would visit him during the summers and I needed him to be more present. And I also know that my sons need to know how present they need to be as men. So I'm trying to heal three generations of fatherlessness in my yes. own self and trying to like, you know what I'm saying? And so if I were talking to someone who told me that, I would tell them that that burden is too heavy. But, but me, myself, I have chosen to bear that burden for three generations of men. Yes. And that is not, <laughs> that is not, that is not a good look. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. That is, like, I'm going to completely fall apart if I don't get a grip. So what does that mean for rebalancing your life? I mean, you recently said you felt like you were always putting work in front of your identity 
Oh, yeah. And you talk about missing one of your kids' births Ooh. because you were you were working on on a project. And I, I think so many people can relate to it, not just putting their partner in front of themselves, but more importantly, putting their work in front of themselves. And it goes back to that kind of armor that we put up. Sometimes it's easier than showing ourselves to the world, mm-hmm. but it also prevents us from growing. And I'm curious, when you said that you put work in front of identity, where do you think that lands you now? You know, I think, you know, what I really need to do is adjust, you know, and and put things in proper perspective and priority. Um, I just have to get everything back in order. And that means that some things are going to have to starve for a little bit. Yeah. And that, you know, that is honestly what I'm working toward. I, I don't, and this is kind of like my fear is that I don't feel like I can just stop right now. Like, cause I know exactly what I need to do. I've just kind of said, oh, okay, just give me a little bit more time. You know what I'm saying? And I think that is the difference between like, if I wait and it's crazy, I can say this, but if I wait, then I'm not going to make it. I, I hear that. I need to just, just stop and just be okay with everything stopping. You know what I mean? But uh, it's difficult when you have payroll. It's different when you have employees and people relying on you. Like my work is like, I, I, I enjoy it. These emotions that art can make you feel, I love it. How did it become an idol is the question. How did it become something that was priority over my well-being? Um, it, yeah. it definitely doesn't come before family. You know, I have, you know, um, you know, strict guidelines on like, yo, when I'm home, I'm home. You know, putting the kids to bed, hanging out with the family, all that stuff. Like, I can, I can definitely stop. But when I come into work and I just start to, you know, get in my mode, like, I just start drooling. Like, it's like, it's so weird how much of um, a safe haven, like, work has become. And I definitely believe that it's, it's not healthy. You know what I'm saying? I think you're, you're healthier than you realize because I have trouble turning it off. You said that that you could definitely make the time with your family, and I can do that. I have to literally leave the phone in my office. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, this is a work day, and tomorrow is a family day. You know, like mm-hmm. I have to segment because I found when I try and split the time and, you know, I'll take an hour with my kid, I find out what happens is I'm spending that time thinking about work, and then when I go back to work, I'm thinking I wasted that time with my kid. Yeah. And it's like neither – feels right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that is such an, an interesting and hard thing, finding that balance. Yeah. But I think it's very cool that you're saying that you're able to, to segment and like, and wait until you start the work and you can fully commit to your family when you're with them. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine with four kids, they, there's something you need to be committed. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's an active involvement. Yeah, there's definitely like, you know, times where I fail at that. But, you know, it's hard. It's, you know, it's hard to get out of that. But it, I mean, you got to forgive yourself. And that's one thing I'm learning. It's kind of like, man, like my children, whenever I apologize, they are very forgiving. If you even try it, right, as a father, try to apologize to your children, they do not hold grudges. That is a learned uh, expression that they do. When they learn how to hold grudges, that's something that we teach them. They don't hold grudges normally. They want to forgive you. They want to move on. And I need to learn to be like my children and forgiving myself. I I think that's beautiful. I think that the world is a better place for the parents 
that are vulnerable enough to admit fault with their kids. Yeah. You know, we all tend to fight in front of our kids sometimes with our partners. It just happens. We don't intend for it to. But you have to then make up in front of your kids. Yeah. Or maybe even explain what the fight was about. I think that it's so important to have that transparency because they're getting all the feelings, whether you want them to or not. Yes. I know we both kind of have a co-parenting series and they're very different, Mm -hmm. but we each discuss very intimately our marriages and our relationships, even more than our parenting styles. We did one on acknowledgement, which was really about me acknowledging my feelings that I've been burying, you know, kind of resentments of that I didn't allow myself to feel. And just having her acknowledge them made me feel so validated. And that's not something that I feel like all men kind of have that, but it's not something that we openly address. That's the stigma with mental health. Like we're not allowed to address that openly. And the second episode was connection because it was like, okay, now that we're healing from that trauma, can we start to find ways to reconnect again? And the audience, I think, appreciated how vulnerable we were being. We didn't need to preach to them because we were talking earnestly about our things and that helped other people to see themselves in it. And I see that watching your podcast and I know how personal and vulnerable that can be. And I feel like that is the, the struggle is taking the time to let your let yourself feel your own feelings and to be a good partner who at the end of the day can showcase to your kid. It's hard work. Yeah. It won't just naturally happen. Totally. It you need to put work into a marriage and a relationship. 100%. And I know that working with your spouse, you know, you were the stay-at-home dad and then your wife actually left her job to kind of start working with you and you have been doing some cool things together, but I know that can put a lot of pressure on, especially with four kids. And I want to just talk a little about your relationship with your wife and how how it's going. Yeah. That was very open-ended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very open-ended. So just a quick synopsis of it. Like, I definitely had some past hurts because my wife was the breadwinner and she was a math teacher and she kind of stopped looking for a job after she got pregnant with our daughter and her plan was that she wasn't going to go back to work, but she never told me. And so I was like waiting for her and it just kind of like put everything on my shoulders. Yeah. And so I ran 100% in the right direction, which is kind of her way of saying like, Hey, look, I kind of kicked you in the butt to get it going. But then like, I started to like really, really enjoy work. And then I was working too much for her. And so it was kind of like this back and forth with me and her. And I just was like, man, I don't know how to please you. You know what I mean? Because you said you wanted to stay home. Now you stay home and now I work too much. Like before she was working too much, you know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of like, well, you were making all the money. So now I have to work harder to make the money back. So uh, it's definitely adjusted our relationship, but we, we are, we took a little hiatus from the podcast because it was getting too personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't able to like process life. Like after every conversation we have on a podcast, I would just not talk. Because I would be so hurt from the conversation, you yeah. know. And uh, my wife and I are taking the time we need to kind of go through a rebrand. And I'm I'm trying to set some boundaries with, uh, with how made are you to say these are the conditions I'm willing to work under when I'm on your podcast because that's what I'm calling it now. Um, uh, and you know, she's understanding that I need that. So it feels like it's a rebrand, both metaphorically and literally for the yes, podcast. One hundred percent. It's creating the boundaries that you've created in other aspects of your life to separate church and state a little with your marriage and with this podcast. 
You have to be vulnerable, but you don't have to give every part of yourself. You need a little for each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. God, I see so many similarities between us. I mean, we have such different backgrounds, and yet at the same time, at our base, I feel like, I, I'm not going to speak for you, I'll say for myself, one of my biggest problems in my relationship is I put my wife's needs before my own. Yeah. And then therefore, I start to become resentful of her <laughs> when she never asked me to do that. Yeah. And I feel like that's my biggest work is saying like, I matter enough that my needs are as important as yours. And sometimes I need to prioritize myself, which is foreign for you. Yeah. And I know it's going to be weird sometimes when I do it, but I need to do that for the health of our marriage. Yeah. You know, my wife and I've been married for 10 years. Uh, It'll be 11 in August. So that was basically 10 years of me suffering in silence and her suffering in silence to some degree, but a little bit more me because I'm better at it. Yeah. And our ninth and a half year, I'm kind of like, hey, I can't take it no more. You know what I'm saying? So she's kind of like, what's the problem? What's the big deal? And because I wasn't communicating, you know what I mean? Like I had, I had kind of come to the phone was kind of like, hey, I can't do this, 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 and this. I can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's, just, she's having a hard time adjusting with that, which is completely understandable. What we're noticing is people are saying, man, I didn't know marriage took this much work. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm glad I'm getting married knowing this is what happens in marriage because I didn't even know. And what, what happened was our parents, no disrespect to our generation of parents, were so right. silent about their pain that they tricked us into believing that we were going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it was going to be easy. It just right. happened without the work. Yeah. And like, you'll figure it all out. It'll be fine. And I feel like the whole time they're like, they're going to mess up big time. But it's okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they're like snickering. This is fucking difficult. Yeah. As we're walking into this booby trap and then we get there and we're kind of like, we're not fine. We're not fine. <laughs> right? And then we're trying to tell everybody else, it's not okay. This is what's going to happen. Right? And then we end up overexposing ourselves when all we had to do was kind of give people, if our parents would have just said, hey, we're not doing well. Money's tight. This is why we're going to be da 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 But instead, our fathers bottled it up and they, and, they, and they took it in and they just held on to it. And it came out as aggression and anger and pass, passive aggressiveness, right? And then our moms were trying to comfort us and comfort them and born, bearing the emotion for the whole family. And we're just sitting there watching it all and thinking we're going to be okay. And we just can't take it anymore. So we have to communicate. And I'm not saying that is everybody's situation, but I know the majority of us, especially in the black community, this is what we experienced. You know what I'm saying? If we even had both parents in the home. So um, I think right now what we, what we are trying to do is trying to tell everyone else like, Hey, cause I think this, this is a culture in social where it's kind of like, Everything's perfect. Look at my new uh, duvet covers I just bought. Right. I got new sunglasses. Right. I'm on Rodeo Drive. I'm on, you know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff is all cool. And then you got the ones who are melancholy like myself, right? You and me, we're just kind of like, hey guys, we need to hold hands and hug because I'm not doing, I'm not feeling safe. <laughs> you know yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's where we're at right now. I, I am honored to be, my wife is amazing. She's amazing. You know, like she does, so much. She's so capable and so amazing at everything. And I think one thing that made me such a good partner for her while she was a stay-at-home mom is I was a stay-at-home father. So I know what it's like to just 
the kids being alive for the day is enough. Dinner right. didn't get made. House is a mess. That is totally okay. You killed it today. Because I know that the children pushed you to a point where you just need a day off. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. And so my wife has, you know, to, every Thursday is her night off. Does whatever she wants. You know what I'm saying? She's taking this weekend off. She's going somewhere. I give her that time because I understand her perspective. Um, I've been in her shoes before. So you give her that because the type of man that you are, do you give yourself that? Uh-uh. And that's, that's the interesting thing for a lot of us, right? That, that's, you know, that, you know, and what I'm understanding is the whole point I have to realize is that it's going to be a journey. And, I, and as long as I have goals set in place, I will be able to accomplish those things that I need to do for myself. And I have to give myself a little bit more grace. Which we are new in our business. We are new in our marriages. We are new at, you know, a lot of different things. My marriage is only 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? My t- if I had a son who was 10 years old, would I expect him to know everything about everything? No. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And so you yeah. give yourself that amount of grace and you realize that other people are dealing with the same things around you. And then you find a support system, just a few people that you can trust that love you and are able to validate some of your concerns, but say, I understand you're feeling that, but this is what's important for the business right now. This is what's important for your family. You need to set boundaries here. You need to get community here. Like if you have those checkpoints in your life, things are going to get better. I don't necessarily have it together, but I do have the accountability to get it together. And that's where I think that I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? I love that. You, you said once, um, your legacy is being written. As long as you're alive, you have the opportunity to change things for the better. Yeah. And I think that what you just said summarizes that beautifully. You know, it's okay to not be okay. Yes. As long as you keep pushing and you know that you have the power within you to get better and, and you keep taking the time to vocalize what you need. I think that it's time that we as parents put ourselves and our needs in front of everyone else's needs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because how are we good to anyone else if we're not any good to ourselves? Right. And that doesn't mean we're not obsessed with our partners and we're obsessed with our kids. But I do think that we have to take care of ourselves first. And that is something we weren't necessarily trained to do as a society. And it's time. Yes. 100%, man. I I couldn't agree with you more. You are a pleasure, my friend. And I look forward to continuing this dialogue. Yeah, man. Let's be friends on and off the mic. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. Thank you for listening. If you're still here, then there's a good chance that you connected with some aspect of today's episode. So if that is the case, please consider sharing it with those you feel could also benefit. And don't forget to click subscribe, as well as join in on the conversation by finding us on Instagram, at Dilf Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you.